Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Dave Cast. I'm your host, Dave Helmbrecht. Uh, this is episode 76. Uh, it is 26 January 2020. Uh, I have now spent two weeks in treatment here at the St. Cloud VA Center, and things are going really good. I'm really glad I'm here. Uh, of course, I have my ups and my downs, and I get bored here. I want to go home. I miss my kids. I miss my dog. I miss my family. Uh, I'm in the right place. I'm in good hands, and I'm surrounded by great people. Uh, shout outs go out to my brother Joe. It's his birthday on Tuesday. Other shout outs I got going on. Um, Robin, Richie, and Tiana uh, came and visited me today, and it was great seeing them. Uh, we got to hang out. Robin brought me some food. We bowled. There's a bowling alley here, an old ass bowling alley, but we bowled and we had a lot of fun. I'm so glad they came. Other shout outs I'm throwing out there uh, PMA, Progressive Martial Arts in Grand Forks, Ken and Josh put on amazing jiu-jitsu classes, striking classes, and uh, some conditioning classes. If you guys want to get into martial arts at all, it's the best place to start. They treat people amazing. You walk in the door. Don't be intimidated. And I know going into a martial arts gym can be intimidating, but don't be scared. Get in there, talk to them, and they'll set you up. Also, Map Fitness in Grand Forks as well. Uh, a bunch of MMA fighters I know train there. A full cage, uh, punching bags, mats on the floor. But it's not just that. It's also a, just a gym. You can lift weights. You can work out. They got everything from strongman to Olympic lifting to CrossFit stuff. You name it. It's 24 hours. Uh, get in there and check it out. Talk to Megan. Get yourself a membership. Uh, Dylan and the boys down at uh, Academy of Combat Arts in Fargo. Uh, if you want to be a fighter and you live in the Grand Forks area, you got to get down there and train with those guys. They're freaking awesome. And also another shout out to Josie Bernadette. She's from Grand Forks, North Dakota. I believe she lives in Nashville now. And I used to work for her mom at Juvie. And she just dropped her first single called Read My Mind. And it is, it's an awesome song. I actually really like it. Uh, she was on The Voice. And she is just gorgeous, and she, her voice is amazing. And huge shout-out to her uh, for dropping that first single and, and kicking ass. Uh, I'm going to play, instead of playing my intro song, I'm going to play a clip from her from her new song. Uh, I wrote her on Instagram and asked for permission, but she never responded yet. And I don't know about copyright laws and stuff, so if, if she has a problem with it, I'll take it down. Uh, I'll redo it, edit it, whatever I got to do. But uh, give it a listen. Uh, buy it on iTunes. Uh, show her some support, for real. Other than that, man, uh, enjoy episode 76, you guys. Uh, later. Last night I had a dream. I dreamt that you were not here next to me. It felt like I couldn't breathe. You said, baby, that'll never be reality. I feel the touch of your kiss. Oh, 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 oh. I love to wake up like this. You make the head on my neck stand tall. On days when I can't feel nothing at all. Sometimes you know me better than myself You feel the bodies intertwined No one knows me like you Stop me dead in the tracks No one knows me like how you want Hey, what's up, you guys? 
it is week two of treatment uh, in the books for me. I, uh, I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, what's going on with me right now? Uh, that's how I usually start the podcast. My neck slowly healing. Still got shoulder pain. Still got arm pain every once in a while. Like I said from the last podcast, I've been walking the halls. Uh, the corridor here, I said, is a mile down and back. You get a mile in. Uh, I did four miles the other day. I think it was on Friday. And yesterday, my knees were killing me so bad. And for those of you who don't know, over the years, uh, I don't, from, from being in the military, uh, running so much. I mean, I ran in high school. Uh, we wrestling, cross country. I joined the military, you run a lot. Uh, we pound pavement. Uh, we do ruck marches on pavement, on hard ground, on uneven ground. Did a lot of running for uh, MMA fights. The cardio I do is like sprints. Uh, the track I used to run on on the Air Force Base at Grand Forks is like a tiny little track. So I'm always turning the corner and that's got to be terrible on my knees, right? Well, now when I get about a half mile into a run or I walk too much, I guess, uh, my knees start to ache really bad. And they've never really bothered me the next day after a run or after walking or doing something, but I guess four miles was just too much. And I just really haven't, you know, since all the neck injury and everything, I haven't really been that physical, not as physical as I've been my whole life, you know. The knees have taken a beating and I'm feeling it now. Uh, There is a therapeutic pool here and a fitness center where I could go and maybe ride on a stationary bike or uh, hit the pool a little bit. I just, uh, maybe I just need to still take it easy. You know, I just had surgery not that long ago. Maybe it's good while I'm in here to not necessarily work on my, to be so physical when it's hard for me, man. Like my whole life has been physical wrestling. I was a really active kid joining the military. Uh, The job I had in the military was a really physical one. You know, I know I was in the air force and I joke with all the guys, they get, we, we talk a lot of shit with each other here about, oh, you were in the chair force or this and that. But I was in the infantry of the air force, you know, security forces, then being canine. I uh, deployed a lot, you know, with the with other branches, with the army, with the Marines. I went through army training. I went through Marine training. Uh, it's been, I, you know, it's been rough on the body. And then not even to talk about that, getting into MMA, like, it's been rough, you know. So the body's taking a beating. I'm 37, but it's, I feel like I'm probably like 50. Fuck, I don't know. Since I've been here, maybe I need to just concentrate maybe more on this, maybe more research on the podcast. Uh, maybe I need to do more research. I thought about doing an MMA podcast while I was here as well. A lot of stuff, you know, I, I've been writing a lot. Uh, I've been journaling and I just need to maybe concentrate more on uh, this, the mental health aspect of stuff and not worry so physically, you know, but that's, but that's what's on my mind. You know, I get this anxiety and I want to fucking go do something and get it out. And I really don't have anything except for walking the halls, you know? Uh, yeah, we hang out with other veterans here and we all bullshit and talk, but uh, a lot of times, you know, I mean, I do. I, I met some great guys here. We've had some great talks. There's a guy. There's a couple of guys here I want to have on my podcast and sit down and talk with them. And and I haven't even really told anybody here yet that I even have a podcast. I don't talk about it too much yet. I'm not sure. I just it just hasn't came up. I guess, and I just don't really feel like talking about it. Maybe uh, week two has been pretty good. Uh, I've been to all my meetings. A lot of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, getting into core beliefs. Uh, your core beliefs are, you know, a lot of times built on what your parents taught you growing up, uh, the region, your culture, where you went to school, religion. It builds all these things in you, and uh, your core beliefs get they get challenged by tra- trauma in your life, 
life changes every so many years you're a different person you know what i mean the different people you run into you know if you get married your significant other might help change your core beliefs you know and trauma things that happens to us you know some people in here talk about how they're you know they don't want to be racist towards muslims which i don't mean to be racist but prejudice i guess towards muslims because you know they were shot at by muslims blown up by muslims and they were in muslim countries fighting people you know and it's like you know, I don't really feel that way. I don't see somebody with a towel, you know, the towel or the, a burqa on or, you know, a towel on their head and get scared and want to walk the other way. I don't really feel that way, you know, and I, there's people here who didn't get on flights because there was Arabic looking people getting on the flight with them. And I don't struggle that bad with it, but some people do, you know, they don't want to be, you know, prejudiced or racist or anything like that. But, you know, because of the trauma they went through, they, they struggle they're here to dig deep and that's what cognitive behavioral therapy really is you know we're gonna dig deep and figure out why i have impulse control problems uh why you know i i get angry at times and you know why we are the way we are and i mean you can't really change too much you know i mean you can change it obviously but you are kind of you kind of are who you are in the end you know and and you just got to learn to uh to live with it or adjust or find these tools and these things you can use every day to get through everyday life without freaking out because you see some arabic people in walmart or muslim people or you know you see someone in a burqa and you want to walk the other way or you want to say something to them you know it's just hopefully we can learn some things and uh, get some tools to uh, to combat that stuff uh, but this podcast is primarily going to be about uh, the sweat lodge man i did a sweat lodge on wednesday and I'm telling you guys, it was, it was such a freaking amazing experience, an uncomfortable experience, yet it was just, it was, it was freaking amazing. And I'm going to get into it here. For those of you who don't know, a sweat lodge is a, a traditional Native American practice that they do where uh, they build a, a dome-shaped hut, uh, usually used with uh, sticks and branches, natural sticks and branches they find in the area. A guy went through the story of the hut and how they build it and each rung of the hut, like all the layers of it and everything means something different and it's all symbolic and it was so cool. I can't remember it all. I did some notes and stuff and my notes are just here for guidance. I kind of read through them before I start, but I don't really, you know, and I'm going to definitely check them out look at my notes for this because it's a lot of information, you know, and it was, it's really cool that, uh, that I, I got to experience that. Believe it or not, the funny thing is sweat lodges were actually considered illegal practice up till 1976. If that tells you how freaking narrow-minded our, our government or America has been, uh, even up to the, the late 70s, it's just crazy. You know, and there's, I, I even asked the question, I was the one who asked the guy, I was like, do you guys smoke peyote or weed or uh, mushrooms or do any, high, you know, hallucinogenic drugs before you go in? And they were like, of course not. You know, they're like, they, you know, they have other ceremonies uh, and other, you know, native tribes or whatever will do peyote and things like that but it's not a common practice uh, up north they think that's peyote is more of a southern native practice from what from some of the research that i've done the sweat laws is put on by uh his name was mike his native name is little loon and he came here uh from leech lake indian reservation and he's part of the ego clan he started it off by telling us this story or telling us all about what a sweat lodge is, what we we're going to experience. And he, he went into the story, you know, and uh, before I forget, uh, the sweat lodge, like I said, it's a hut. And then there is a, a fire uh, adjacent, like straight out from the door of the hut is the fire. And that fire has all the rocks in it. And it's, um, it, it's, they started early that morning. So all the rocks were in this fire all day and they're getting red hot 
and then there's uh, in that pathway to the hut, uh, you know, the, they say the fire is actually enter- giving the hut energy and charging it. And there's an altar there, which they wouldn't allow me to take a picture of and have a buffalo head skull on it, a whole uh, a peace pipe, uh, a thing of blueberries, which I'll get into in a little bit. Uh, a whole bunch of little artifacts and uh, every different different traditions, different tribes do different things, put different things on the altar. But these are things that uh, are, you know, are symbolic to the sweat lodge and their and their tribe. So they also the rocks around uh, the the spiritual fire uh, were all rocks that have been already been used in the sweat lodge, ever been brought into the sweat lodge, put water on them and they get hot. That's where the heat comes from is these rocks. Uh, these rocks were actually considered their grandfathers, and I'll get into that more into the story. So it's it's pretty neat. So like, if you want to start a sweat lodge, you you go and like uh, you can get rocks from another person's sweat lodge and like start your you know they'll give you enough rocks to make a circle for your spiritual fire, and that's how you start a new sweat lodge, which is pretty cool. So the story, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna mess it all up. Uh, I wish I could have recorded him saying telling this story. It was so good. But uh, and I'm sure it's, he, he, he I'm sure it's tell differently in different tribes and you know as it, as it passes on from generation to generation you know the telephone game things change a little bit and this and that but they needed to figure something out I don't know if they were going through a, uh, a time of hardship I think that's what it was some sort of time of hardship and disease and and they didn't you know they were looking up to the spirit gods for for an answer and they. So what they ended up doing is they took a 12, he was around 12 years old, a, a boy who, and the, and the reason they chose a 12-year-old boy is because of his innocence and he's young and he hasn't really been influenced yet. Uh, and they sent him off into the woods and he, they blindfolded him uh, so he couldn't come back. And while in the woods, uh, he, he fell asleep and uh, a spirit eagle comes down and, and, and takes his, and grabs his spirit. The eagle comes down and takes his spirit uh, to the moon. And on the moon uh, is these seven grandfathers, and they're they're there to uh, they're there waiting uh, for someone to come, and uh, so they can share this story of the sweat lodge with. So he gets to the moon, and he meets with the first grandfather. And every grandfather takes one month. It took one month for them to tell him the story uh, of the sweat lodge, and you know the first grandfather you know, takes a month, the second one, and, you know, vice versa, up to all seven of them take seven months. So this boy is laying in the forest for seven months, and they, he's fasting. He's not eating. He's not drinking. After the seven, the seven months, and the grandfather is telling the story of the sweat lodge, he awakens uh, to an otter who is there, and he, he feeds him cedar, uh, the wood, you know, cedar to, to help him regain his strength. So during this, uh, during the sweat, we actually drank the water we used to put on the rocks uh, was a cedar, uh, like a cedar tea. So there was cedar in the water. They sprinkled cedar on the on the rocks, like, and it would flame up and like spark up. And it was really neat because it was pitch black in this. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Half the time, I'd st- I'd blink my eyes because are my eyes open or closed right now? And they were open most of the time. I really hate that I probably butchered this story, and I really wish I could have. Uh, could have got you know him him recording because each each of the grandfathers each of the rocks symbolized something and they all told the story of it and you know one told him how to build it uh one told him you know the the procedures of what you know what they have to do and this and that and it's it is such a cool story and it was so good i wish i could have uh 
remembered more of it. Uh, but I'll get into it here a little bit. And what what we did was called four doors. And the four doors means that we, you know, they bring in the first doors, the first seven hot rocks, and they bring it in. Uh, and they, they actually position them in, in, in the pit in the middle uh, in a way that it actually looks like a tortoise or a turtle. And uh, the turtle represented the grandfathers in astrology. So if you're part of a turtle clan, those were like the astrologists and the, the people who looked to the heavens. Uh, we did four doors. So they brought the first doors. They bring in the first seven rocks. And the firekeeper was this guy named Steve who's outside. He works for the VA. And he's primarily the guy who helps put this on, you know. And he would grab like a pitchfork and go into that sacred fire. And he would bring out, he would bring a rock in. And uh, one of the guys, another native guy who who had a lot of, uh, he's here with, the, he's a veteran here. His name was Jacob. And he would, uh, he was kind of like the helper inside to help grab the rocks and he would use deer antlers. So he would, he would bring a pitchfork up to the door with a rock and he would grab the rock, uh, with a, uh, with these deer antlers and he would set them in the, in the center and position them. So, you know, they look like a tortoise kind of, so they bring in the first seven rocks and we close the door and it is pitch black. Little Luna saying all sorts of, uh, different chants and different things in native tongue and it was such a freaking cool experience and so they're bringing all these in they bring in the first seven rocks pitch black uh you hear them start to pour the water on it just sizzling and sizzling and the rocks are red glowing red hot to backtrack a little bit in the story every time one of the grandfathers got done telling you know their one month story of how to do the sweat lodge they they balled up and they rolled and they rolled away and turned into a rock. And the reason that they were glowing red is because they were so happy and so excited because they had been waiting on the moon for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years waiting for this boy to show up so they could tell him the story of the sweat lodge. So they bring in the first, what is called the first door, the first seven rocks. Like I said, they were chanting, uh, they were saying all sorts of cool things. They would sprinkle cedar on the on the rocks, and you would see you would see it like it'd be so black, but all of a sudden you would see like the little sparks from the, the the cedar burning on the hot rocks, and they would you know they were glowing red until he poured water on them a few times, and then they kind of lose their color. But the first uh, the first door we actually, and then we would go around and we went around and we all talked about why why are we here why we're in the sweat lodge. And, you know, what are, what are we looking for that day? Whether it's just to experience it, you know, and to me, I went in there looking for purpose. I didn't, you know, I don't have a job anymore. Uh, I'm just here. I'm in limbo and I just want purpose. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I've always had some sort of purpose in life. And yes, I'm a father. That's a huge purpose. Uh, I'm a friend, you know, I'm a son, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I have all these purposes, but like me, I want to figure out what are, what am I supposed to do in this life? You know, I feel like I'm, I'm in limbo and that's why I went in the lodge. So we go around, there's a 12 of us in there in this tiny little lodge. So we're like, legs are touching each other. We're kind of sitting, no pun intended, but Indian style and, or however you wanted later on, after a few people fell out, you could lay down and, and do whatever. But I hydrated so much that day after the first door, I had to pee so bad. So we like, um, I was just, just, yeah. So you go around, everybody's talking, people are taking more time than others and they get to the last guy and I am got a piece so bad. 
and it is so hot. It is just, I've been in saunas before. I've been in Africa. I've been overseas in Qatar where it gets hot, and this is ridiculous. And I'm just trying to tough it out. I don't want to be the first one to tap out. Well, we get all the way around, and everybody talks, and the door, and they open the door. And seeing light, the cool air from outside hits us. And it was a nice day, believe it or not. It was like 34 degrees outside. For those of you that aren't in a cold area, 34 degrees right now is nice, especially in January in, in you know, Minnesota, North Dakota. But they bring in, they open the door and the cool air kind of rushes in and it feels really good. And I'm like, I got to pee. Can I go, if I go out, can I come back in? And they were like, of course you can. So a bunch of us go out and barefoot, you know, at this point, all I'm wearing is Under Armour compression shorts. Other guys are wearing just shorts or just their underwear. And I get out and I go pee next to this tree, just standing in the snow, barefoot, didn't even care. It was just like, I got to pee, you know? Uh, and then I, I get back in, um, and at that point, a couple guys actually stayed out. Uh, actually, I think they, everybody went back in after the second door. I think a few people fell out, so we had a little more room in there. So we all get back in, and they call it the second door. They bring in seven more glowing hot rocks, and these rocks are anywhere from a softball size to almost a football size rocks. They bring them in, the same thing, chanting, uh, saying a lot of um, things in, their, in his native tongue. And he's using the deer antlers to position them in there. And it doesn't look like a turtle by any means anymore. There's just so many rocks in there. You know, so you got 14 hot rocks in the middle. And they, uh, you know, starts pouring water on them again. They close the door. It's pitch black. And now we're called the second door. This one is we're talking about our faults and our failures. And we go around, you know, and everybody's talking about how they're addicted to this or that. How they've been bad or been bad. Then, you know than shitheads, you know, to people in the, themselves or others in their life. And we go around and I share, everybody shares. Uh, and then once it gets all the way around, you hang out in there for a little bit and then they open the door again and uh, seven more rocks come in. And then this is, you know, called the third door. They do, uh, the guy who was our, our little loon, he said he's, they traditionally, he does seven doors. So they're in there so much longer. So like four or five hours we were only in there for about two and a half to three hours. Where was I? Third door. Uh, they bring in another seven rocks. And on the third door, we got to sing songs. And we chanted uh, a bunch of different stuff. And this one, we were asking for healing. So they went around and they were like, who do you want healed? You know, and I asked, first thing I say is me. You know, and I'm never selfish. You know, right away, I was like thinking of my mother, thinking of uh their family because my grandfather just passed away not too long ago uh thinking of robin how she needed healing you know but i started with me and i was like i need healing bad you know i've, I've been a scumbag to people i've done bad things and it's time for me to get some healing and, and get better you know and then I, I i pray you know and i prayed or you know asked the grandfathers to heal robin because i've done nothing but hurt her you know in the last few months uh well, I mean, I hurt her before. I'm not hurting her anymore. You know what I mean? I feel like I've, I've changed a lot and I, I want to do right by her, but I need to do right by me, you know? And I asked for healing for my family, my mother, my sister to have understanding uh, with each other, with me, you know, and I, the rest of my family just to be closer and to hit me up and, you know, and to, to talk more, you know, and I know we're spread out and distance really kind of hurts it. But nowadays, man, we got phones, we got everything. We, we all need to talk more, you know? And that's really what I want. And uh, when the, after the third door was done, they opened and they brought in the basket of blueberries, which I was talking about earlier. 
little loon grabs a handful of blueberries and he squeezes the juice out and he drops the blueberries on the rocks and it sizzles and steams or whatever. And then they pass the blueberries around and they say, everyone take some blueberries. Uh, I explained what they were for. And I think it had a lot to do with the healing or something. Uh, but I'm not actually sure what the blueberries were for. I don't remember. There's so much information, you guys, given to us that day that I just can't even... Whew, I got back to my room and I just started writing right away, trying to remember everything, and it was so tough. But we're eating these blueberries, and I'm telling you, they're the food, they were cold because they came in from outside, and they were so good. I've never eaten anything that tasted so good in my life with these blueberries. And I just grab a handful, a nice little humble handful, and then they, they send it outside to the guys that were outside. Just because they fell out, they were still part of our sweat. They were still part of it with us. And they sat right outside the door, you know. And they grab some blueberries and they come back in. And I was so happy when Little Loon was like, all right, this time, take his, you know, grab a big handful. We got to get, you know, we're going to eat them up. And it came around to me and I grabbed the biggest handful I could grab. And just, oh, blueberries were so damn good. So here comes seven more rocks for the fourth door, the last door. And this one... Uh, when we went around and we talked, it was for what, who we were, what we were thankful for. And it goes around and it, it gets to me, you know, and I'm thankful for, for Robin, uh, for being there for me through all of this, even after what I've done to her, uh, my children, uh, my sister and Danny, for being there to support me and help me, you know, and in my family and the VA especially for, for allowing me to come here and try to get some healing. And they have such an amazing program here that I, I just couldn't, I just can't believe it. It's great, you know, and I love, I love that I finally went and got some help, like I said on the last podcast. I wish I would have done it sooner. But thankful for all of them. And uh, it ended, and uh, we went around that last time, and it ended, and they were just, uh, they did a few more things, traditional things, and then we just, you know, cl- crawled out of the hut, and they're, the guys were outside waiting with towels and, uh, and blankets to wrap around us, because if you go from that crazy temperature change of, like, it had to be, I don't know how hot they say it was in there, but it was just so hot. <laughs> we get out, and, you know, dripping sweat the whole time, obviously, is a sweat lodge and hot in there, and, you know, you get out, and they had some hot soup, and some sandwiches for us, which was really cool. Uh, we stood around the fire a little bit. We helped break down the lodge, take all the tarps and the and the, the the carpets and the rugs down off of it, and help clean it up. And that was, you know, the end of the lodge. And I thank Little Loon for coming and and Steve for putting helping put it on. And it was such a cool experience. They're gonna do one in a couple of weeks, another one, and I'd love to do it again. But I feel like I should give another veteran uh, opportunity to try it. You know, so I don't think I'm gonna sign up again. Uh, if, if they had a spot open and they didn't have enough people, I would definitely do it. But they're, they're just, like I said, there's only like 10 spots and there's 130 some veterans here. So I'm going to let them have another shot at it and let somebody else have another try at it because I, I loved it so much and it was such a cool experience for me. And you guys know me, man. I love other cultures. I love other, I just love other people. You know, I always tell this story, like the white person story is boring to me. You know what I mean? That's where I lived. So whenever I can, and I grew up around a lot of natives from South Dakota, now in North Dakota, uh, Minnesota, there's a lot of tribes and uh, a lot of native people. And I, I've never really got to tap into or, or to, to native culture too much, you know, other than what we really hear. So 
it was it was fun, man. It was a good experience, and I want to do it again. Uh, my buddy Tat, he, you know, he was like, he's part native, and he was like, I, you know, he's like, you gotta, he's like, we'll do a sweat someday or share a sweat, and I was like, definitely, man. It'd be so much fun to be invited to another one. So, huge shout out to Little Loon, Steve, and the uh, the Eagle Clan from Leech Lake Indian Reservation for coming here and and doing that for us. So, huge thanks. That's all I think I got, you guys. Like I said, uh, therapy has just been that. You know, we went into some communication stuff and how it, you know, affects us, uh, how we communicate with each other. We kind of learned how, what kind of communicator we are. And believe it or not, I was, I forget what it was, but I was like a talker, you know, and I was just a socializer and a, and a promoter, I think it was, for the little quiz we did that learned to learn, to learn what it was. Uh, what else? We did some self-acceptance, which I have, like I told you guys, I have so much trouble. Like, I don't... I hate saying that I have PTSD, and I do. I have PTSD from my experiences. Even before even joining the military, there were some things that happened in my life that could be considered you know, very traumatic that might have gave me PTSD. Uh, things I've seen in the military, uh, being in combat, uh, being shot at, being, you know, all that stuff, like shooting back. Like it's, it's such a crazy experience that your mind will never let you forget. Believe it or not, I've forgotten some of it, and I bury it so deep. And... You know, and that's what you got to do. We got to dig it out. I got to talk about it. And that's why I love my podcast. That's why I, uh, I really do. I love talking and I love getting it out. You know, I wish I would have done this sooner. So huge thanks to the St. Cloud VA for putting that on and allowing me to be here and, and getting this shit out. And, I, and the craziest thing is that I learned that since I've been here is a lot of people, it's not their first time. And they all call it a tune-up. You know, people will be gone. They'll come here and a year later they're back again. And it's like they just needed a tune-up. They got addicted again to a substance or they just their life got out of control or they feel out of control. So they come back. So if you guys someday, if you're like, oh, Dave's back in treatment, he messed up again. It's not that. It ain't that I messed up again. It's just that PTSD, major depressive disorder, anxiety, addiction, it's never. It's an endless, it's a journey until I die, you know, and then how I, how I travel, you know, the road of, of my crazy mind, it's on me, you know, and the tools that people give me to help me travel it smoother and faster is, is why I'm here, so... Thank you guys so much for listening. I have um, uh, had such a good turnout, uh, turnout, uh, a good number of listens on the last few podcasts. And I don't know if people are just curious what's going on with me or, you know, they're just curious to hear how treatment's going. I thank you guys so much for listening. The feedback uh, is great. Um, if you guys want to hit me up with any feedback, you want me to ask me a question about treatment, ask me a question about anything, davespodcast1 at gmail.com. I'm Funny Welder on everything else. Please hit me up. Don't be afraid to write me and ask. You know, And if you want me to keep it anonymous or you want to write me from an anonymous email so you know, nobody knows who I'm talking about, I won't, I won't you know, call you out on here or anything like that. So uh, I really do appreciate you guys. And until next time, later.